0: This is an interesting discussion and it makes, you know, if you think about it, we talk about climate change and how it's changing the way that, you know, certain things happen on the planet and it affects oceans. We know that we, they, they monitor ocean temperatures and we know that's changed over time. Well, that has an effect on fish stocks because fish, you know, they, they move, they, they move around based on things like food and temperature and all those sorts of things. So um, when it comes to managing fish stocks globally, how good of a job have we done to begin with? And now that we're faced with this new wrinkle, what do we need to do better? To find out, we're going to chat with Juliano uh, palacios Abrentes, who's a postdoctoral researcher at the Institute for the Oceans and Fisheries at the University of British Columbia. Juliano, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time.
1: How are you? thank
0: you for having me, and hello to your audience yeah i gr- i I'm, I'm doing very well. It's a really interesting conversation and one you know once I started reading the piece that you put together, I was like, you yeah, know this makes perfect sense. we're going to have to deal with this, but to start, um let's talk about how we do manage fish stocks right now on yeah, i mean if you think about it, any sort of national initiative is going to be limited for at least some species because because they move around right so so how do we manage this
1: exactly so our well, research specifically looks at a type of stock that is actually shared between uh, countries. So uh, many of these share fish stocks are collaboratively managed by the countries who share them. For example, here in the Pacific coast of British Columbia, where I am not right now, uh, we have Pacific Salmon stocks and Pacific Hollywood that are generally shared by the U.S. and Canada. Okay. And you can think that um, these stocks, they move around between the Ease as the areas of Canada and the U.S., so they will have to agree in the management of these guys. Gotcha. Okay. Now, the way that
0: it works now um, with these species that travel all over, does it work, or do we see some countries that, while well, the fish are in their waters, um, take more than "quote unquote" their fair share? I mean, how well does fish management work the way it is right now?
1: Well, that is, and that is the that is the million dollar question, right? So you can think that. If back in the 80s, you and I agreed on how much fish each of us were going to take based on how the fish was distributed back in the day, it was great. But what we're seeing now is that 20, 40 years later, the distribution of the stock is not the same as it was before. And so if our rules are based on past distributions, we're probably going to do something wrong in the future. So we need to reassess those rules based on how the world looks today rather than how it looked 10, 20, 30 years ago.
0: Okay, now, as as we see ocean temperatures changing and the conditions in the ocean changing, um, we know that's been happening before, so are we already seeing changes in where fish stocks are compared to where they were, say, 10, 15 years ago?
1: We have, yes. So there's evidence that some of the stocks that we manage, as shear stocks, are on the move. Uh, and a famous example, it resonates a lot, is the Atlantic mackerel uh, in the Northeast Atlantic, that... He basically shifted to Iceland in, in in 2007, and it has actually resulted in many international conflicts, known known at least um, for us as the as the macro wars. And it's been ongoing; like this is an issue that it's been 10 years or so, and they haven't been able to reach an agreement.
0: Okay, now this trend will only continue. It's not like it's going to resolve itself. So. Um, how do we? How do we respond? I mean, what are we seeing? Is there is there any international effort to sort of recognize that we're not dealing with the conditions at hand, let alone where they may be in ten years?
1: I mean, yes. Unfortunately, these issues, as uh, most of climate change uh, consequences, are going to continue, um, even if uh, society as a whole engages in strong mitigation. We're still going to have. Uh, some years of the effects until, you know, climate, the system of the earth, stabilizes. And so what we need, what what we should do, one, one option that we can do in terms of fisheries management is to create tools, anticipatory tools, that could work if something happens. So I like to think about this in terms of the weather channel. So You know, when you leave your house, if it says it's 10% probability of rain, you're likely not to bring your umbrella with you. But if you see 50% of rain, you will bring your umbrella with you. If it rains, it will keep you dry. And if it doesn't rain, the cost of you carrying your umbrella for the day is not that much. If you don't have an umbrella with you and it rains, then you're going to get completely wet and it's going to ruin your day. It
0: makes perfect sense, right? Prepare for the eventuality, (laughs) not the conditions that are there.
1: Exactly, and there are some some strategies that we can do that are not that costly, and that if it happens, they can be implemented. And if if it never happens, the cost of having that strategy is not going to be that bad.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. So the other thing is, you know, could there potentially be some countries that need to be brought into the fold here because, you know, maybe they haven't had these fish stocks in their waters, but now they're going to as things changed. You know, these they, they may be part of this discussion where they weren't before is that something that has to be considered
1: definitely and that is one thing uh issue we call that the newcomers issue and that is where you know it's <laughs> like i have it's like if you think if you have th- two siblings and then these two siblings are used to sharing everything and then there's a third one coming into the pie and now like they have to share their like candy every day with a third sibling and it's like Oh, well, I don't know if I want to share my share of the pie with you, but you actually have to because, you know, this is the new reality and there's like a new sibling, there's a new player in the fishery and the stock is going to their waters they're going to fish it anywhere because they have the right to fish it. But so these, are. this is a lot of, like, there's a a famous researcher that says that fisheries management is more about managing humans than fish itself.
0: Sure. Yeah, exactly. And. I mean, and like you say, you better to have these things done in advance in case you need them than try and play catch-up, because we know playing catch-up just doesn't work.
1: Exactly. And there are some good examples around the world where fisheries management, especially in terms of shared resources, are aspiring to adopt things like this or have, for example, the Pacific halibut uh, that is shared between all the way from Oregon to Alaska – Every year they they sample the stock and they allocate how much catch they're gonna take by region, specifically where the stock is distributed, right? So they, they're not based on distribution back in the seventies, but like today, which which is very good. So they are good cases.
0: Okay. Okay, so some work being done on this. A really interesting yes. discussion, uh Juliana. Thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Have a great day.
0: You too. That is Juliano Palacios Abrantes, our best-named guest of the day so far, I think, a postdoctoral researcher at the Institute for the Oceans and Fisheries at University of British Columbia.